focus on headline. And let's take a look at what major issues are making the headlines on this New Year's Day. Joining us in the program, we have our reporters in Chang'ana and Kim Minji. Guys, Happy New Year's and uh, welcome to the program. Happy, Happy New, New Year. Year. You guys have uh, New Year's resolutions, anybody? Not really. Well, not I'm going to exercise on a regular basis mm. this year. Haven't you already been exercising like crazy? <laughs> no, on a regular re- basis no, or something? Not really. I tried to, but then I just couldn't. It's okay. <laughs> You're probably better off. To Hannah, no, no New Year's resolution yet. Well, I haven't really thought about it, but maybe mm-hmm. um, I'll I'll make something up. <laughs> <laughs> what you about know, you? You know, you know, it's best not to have New Year's resolution than have a resolution and then just quit like two days later, like what I usually do. Did you uh, make any New Year's resolution? I haven't had New Year's resolution in like the past five years. Oh, because I give up anyways. Yeah, that's what's so the point, true. right? So I, I try to improve my. I'm 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 looking to uh, be a better dad person. Well, yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> that too. I'm already a good dad, but uh-huh. uh, that too. Be, be a better person. Be a mm-hmm. better host. Mm-hmm. Be a better everything. I guess mm-hmm. uh, in the new year. But I want to thank you guys for joining us. On this New Year's Day, uh, we're just speaking of which, uh, a large number of people actually took part in the festivities around the globe to celebrate the New Year's Day. Mm-hmm. Of course, for uh, many Koreans watching, the sunrise on New Year's Day is a very important ritual. I never understood because I woke up at like 11:30 today, <laughs> got the sleep I needed, and uh, mm-hmm. this is where they make their New Year's wish and uh, the hopes to come in the new year. Hannah, you're going to start us off with the very first news in 2024. What do you have for us? Uh, That's right. Now, watching the sunrise on New Year's Day and making wishes is a routine in Korea, typically enriched with celebrations across the nation, featuring vibrant musical performances and events to add to the New Year atmosphere. Now, people make wishes related to their job, love, and health, and also make new resolutions for a strong start to the year. However, this year, due to fog and clouds, a lot of Koreans weren't able to see the sun rising, but still they made wish, uh, wishes for all the best. In fact, as usual, ideal spots for the first sunrise of the year ac- across the country were packed with crowds. Only the first 900 people were allowed on the top of Songsan Ilchulbong, also called as the Sunrise Peak in Sogipushit, a city, uh, Jeju Island, and Pengnokdam, which is located in Hallasan Mountain and known the highest point in the country was packed with people trying to see the sun rise. 1,500 people watched the first sunrise of the new year from Hala Mountain, and as the first rays of the new year rose above the clouds, they cheered, wished for the new year, and exchanged good wishes. And about 30,000 people gathered at Heonde Beach in Busan, but unlike last year, the day was warmer than usual with a low of 4 degrees. Families, couples, and other visitors scramble to get a better view of the sunrise by laying mats on the sand or setting up camera tripods uh, near the beach. And in front of the Cheongnyong, the blue dragon character installed in the middle of the sand at Heonde Beach, there was a long line of people who wanted to take a photo. But unfortunately, the east coast of Gangwon province was unable to greet the rising sun due to thick clouds. And sunrise visitors flocked to Cheongdongjin, uh, Chumunjin, and Yongjin beach, which are popular sunrise spots in Gangneung area. A sunrise event was held at Sokcho Beach and Kosong, the northernmost point of the east coast, respectively. In a whooping, 150,000 people gathered at Kanjorgot in Ulsan to make wishes for the year of the Blue Dragon. 
That's right. Uh, always something special about the year of the dragon, and mm -hmm. it's the blue dragon this time. Are you guys superstitious by any chance? Do you guys believe in uh, stuff like this? No, not, no, really. not really. I'm actually Christian, so I don't really believe in yeah, like, dragons and yeah. stuff. Yeah, my, my, my son was born in the year of the golden pig, and they said oh, it was like oh. wealth, and so I'm, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm hoping for big money to come out mm -hmm. for my son. Uh, I'm expecting my second child mm -hmm. uh, this year, right, in the, the, the year of the dragon, and mm -hmm. so... Uh, they said it's going to be a, a strong girl. I'm, I'm scared. <laughs> I'm scared. So, uh, you know, if you're superstitious, I don't know what it, what it mm. means. Uh, but uh, nevertheless, it's uh, kudos to everyone who wake up so early to check out mm. these uh, the rising sun mm. for the for New Year's Day. Right. Uh, also, President Yoon Suk-yeol outlining key priorities and policy directions for the year ahead in his New Year's Day address. So let's delve into the key points from his speech. Minji, Minji you have more on this. Sure. So President Yoon Suk-yeol, during the live broadcast from the presidential office in Yongsan, shared his vision for transforming the military into a scientific and technological powerhouse. This transformation is set to include advancements in artificial intelligence, a combined combat system involving both humans and AI, and cutting-edge science and technology. So President Yoon reiterated the focus on building a robust Korea tri-axis system against North Korea's nuclear and missile threats. Emphasizing strength over submission, he stated that the Republic of Korea is dedicated to achieving true and lasting peace through military preparedness. Cybersecurity also took center stage in President Yoon's address with plans to create a secure cyber environment and protect national institutions from cyber threats, including those originating from North Korea. President Yoon pledged to support free economic activities and ensure worry-free daily life with enhanced security measures. Addressing corruption, President Yoon expressed determination to combat the corrupt rocketeering cartel, emphasizing ongoing efforts to crack down on corruption and illegality since the government's inauguration. He underscored a commitment to expanding people's freedoms, improving welfare, and fostering a fairer society in the coming year. President Yoon also tackled the issue of real estate, highlighting plans to increase housing supply within the city and streamline redevelopment and reconstruction projects. He assured citizens of the effort to stabilize housing prices and extend economic recovery benefits to vulnerable and socially disadvantaged groups. The president reaffirmed his commitment to three major structural reforms in labor, education, and pensions. Now, stressing the importance of protecting legal labor movements, he announced a strict approach to dealing with illegal acts, aiding, aiming for a flexible labor market that encourages corporate investment and job creation. Now, on the declining birth rate issue, President Yoon identified unnecessary overcompetition as a major cause and pledged to promote balanced regional development. He concluded by emphasizing a government that actively addresses problems and listens to the needs of the people. So these key policy directions set the tone for President Yoon's agenda in the upcoming year. Again, uh, this year is uh, a big year for the Yoon administration, uh, being that uh, he's going to be now approaching the second year. And uh, being mm -hmm. that in South Korea, presidents have a five-year term, uh, it would sort of mark a, 
a, a the midway point. Mm. Uh, and so we have the April general elections, which will still mark less than two years. You know, April is when he took office. Uh, so you know how he's been doing so far is going to be key. And uh, the voters are of course sounding is going to sound off uh, during the general elections. But again. Big push, big vows being by, made by President Yoon Suk-yeol, especially as 2023 was a year with a lot of tension on the Korean Peninsula and financially uh, a lot of uh, struggles uh, from the people and the country in itself. Uh, we're hoping for a rapid recovery on those fronts. Also, President Yoon, the representatives of the ruling and opposition parties beginning their official mm -hmm. schedule of the new year by visiting the Seoul National Cemetery. Uh, this, of course, uh, located in Dongjaku District. Hannah, let's get more on this. Sure. Now, President Yoon visited the Seoul National Cemetery with Prime Minister Han Dok Su, ministers from various ministries, members of the presidential cabinet, and more than 40 others, and laid a wreath and paid respect. Lee Jae-myung, the chairman of the main opposition Democratic Party of Korea, accompanied by party leaders, including Hong Yik-pyo, top committee members, and key party officials, visited Hyun Tap, which is the memorial tower and the grave of former President Kim Dae-jung. Lee Jun-sok, a former party leader of the ruling PPP, who declared to launch a new political party of his own, also visited the cemetery along with other members of the new party, including Chon Haram and Igin, who are the members of the new party. The ex-leader of the PPP did not leave a message in the visitor's book like any others, but former uh, Democratic Party leader Lee Na-kyung uh, visited Hengju Sansong Fortress in Koyang City and held a New Year's greeting ceremony. And former lawmaker Lee Seok-kyun and former Koyang Mayor Choi Sung attended, as well as supporters who joined the new party when it was founded. That's right. From what I understand, uh, also you have uh, the now chairman of the uh, the Emergency Leadership Committee for the PPP, mm. uh, Chairman Han. Han uh, Dong-un, of yes. course, uh, being also launching his very first itinerary of the new year mm -hmm. at the National Cemetery. So you have potentially the leaders of each major parties and the leaders of new parties that are being planned out because not only has uh, Lee Jun-suk vowed, he's already left to be PPP, yes. right? And so he said he's going to be launching this uh, new uh, party. I forget what it was called. Uh, something related to like reform. Yeah. So it's a temporary name. Yeah. And also you have the former DP leader mm -hmm. and former Prime Minister Lee Nagyan there's been speculation that he's going to be launching a new party, although I believe uh, before the New Year's Day, uh, Lee Jae-myung and Lee Na-gyun held talks and whether or not that's uh, sort of trying to get the Lee Na-gyun from forming this new party because mm -hmm. there are repercussions of this. There are uh, sort of a faction within the DP uh, f uh, supporters. And so they're saying that leading up to the general election, if DP, former DP leader Lee Na-kyun does end up forming this uh, new group, this new party, then the votes are going to be split and it's going to ultimately impact the DP. And so there's been a mm -hmm. lot of meetings amongst the former uh, DP leaders and former prime ministers. And I think they're pushing for like a, a three-way talks between all the former prime ministers uh, of uh, the previous uh, Moon administration. Uh, this including uh, Chung Se-gyun, I believe. And I don't know when the talks are going to happen, but nevertheless, we'll keep a close tab on this. As we now are starting the new year uh, the political landscape certainly gearing up for a significant event we've talked about this april's 22nd general election now less than 100 days away the campaign officially kicked off last month with the preliminary candidate registration as we talked about parties have been also finalizing their nominations for the 253 constituencies nationwide uh, minja let's get the latest on this 
Yes, well, with the clock ticking down, the political parties are intensifying their preparations for the upcoming electoral battle. Both the ruling and opposition parties are framing their campaigns around key themes, such as the national stability theory and the regime judgment theory as the current government enters its third year. Now, the government has, however, has a variable in this election, and it is the emergence of several new parties. The Reform Party, the temporary name of the party, led by former ruling People Party chair Lee Jun-seok, aims to present differentiated conservative values. Additionally, parties like the New Choice, founded by former lawmaker Kim Tae-seop, and the New Party, led by former Democratic Party chair Lee Nak-yeon, who aspires to be the number one one party in the House are adding intrigue to the political landscape. Yet amidst growing number of the parties, the rules of the game are still being ironed out. The proportional representation system, crucial for both the ruling and opposition interests, is proving to be a quite a, a complex process. So while the PPP advocated for the side-by-side system before the 21st National Assembly, the DP is inclined to maintain the existing proportional proportional system, which provides easier entry for minority parties into the parliament. Now, adding to the uncertainty, the drawing of the electoral districts has encountered delays with 32 districts suggested for adjustments by the Electoral Commission. This poses a challenge for political newcomers of figuring out where to focus their campaigns in the lead up to the election. As we count down to the 22nd general election, the political arena is Set for a dynamic and competitive race. That's right. Again, it is going to be quite an interesting one. And I think there's been a lot of uh, surveys coming out left and right where it does seem like, according to, again, the, the surveys only show you a, a small sample size of about like 100 plus uh, people. And uh, they're saying at this time, the DP is still in the lead. But again, we just never know what happens. We still have uh, a little less than 100 days until the April general elections, and especially with all these new for, uh, parties forming and uh, potential votes being split as well. Just never know what's going to happen. Let's move on here to North Korea. North Korea's year-end plenary meeting of the Central Committee of the Workers' Party of Korea officially occurring on Sunday. Uh, that Seoul is no longer a counterpart for reconciliation and unification. Hannah, let's tell us, uh, tell us more about about what's happening over there in North Korea. Sure. Now, North Korea plans to ramp up its military capabilities in the new year, focusing on advancing its military spy satellite and nuclear technologies, prompting South Korea to bolster its readiness against any potential military provocations. Now, North Korean leader Kim Jong-un was quoted as saying by the North's uh, state-run media outlet, the Korean Central News Agency, on Sunday, that I believe that it is a mistake that we must no longer make to deal with the people who declare us as the main enemy and seek opportunities for our regime collapse and uh, unification by absorption, by collaborating for reconciliation and unification. Saying that it is time to fundamentally depart from its existing policies towards South Korea, and Kim described current inter-Korean relations as a relationship between two hostile countries. Now, the KCNA reported that Kim made such remarks marks the previous day while wrapping up a key ruling Workers' Party meeting held to set the regime's internal and diplomatic policy goals for 2024. Now, the five-day meeting kicked off on December 26. Experts said 
that Kim's remarks indicated North Korea's threat to use tactical nuclear weapons against South Korea would not be just a rhetoric, as Pyongyang will regard the South as a country in a state of war with it. In fact, this year, North Korea began using South Korea's full name, the Republic of Korea, in its official statements condemning the South. North North Korea has long called the South South Korea or the South uh, South Korean puppet. In July, Kim Yo-jong, the powerful sister of the North's leader, issued hard-worded statements using the term ROK for the first time (coughs) when she condemned U.S. surveillance flights over its exclusive economic zone. South Korea's unification ministry said at the time that North Korea's reference to the ROK is an expression of its mockery against South Korea, rather than an intent to regard the two Koreas' relations as a state-to-state relationship. And under an inter-Korean basic agreement signed in 1991, inter-Korean ties were designated as a special relationship, tentatively formed in the process of seeking reunification, not as state-to-state relations. Now, North Korea has preached the notion of Uri Minjokiri, which roughly translate into among our own people in handling inter-Korean affairs and the issue of reunification. But at the latest uh, WPK meeting, the North leader uh, announced a shift in dealing with Seoul as relations of two countries in a state of war. And he also called for the overhaul of North Korean organizations in charge of inter-Korean affairs, such as the United Front Department at the Workers' Party. Honestly, to be honest with you, the, the mentioning of uh, ROK, I don't know <coughs> how that translates into a mockery against South Korea because the U.S. also often mm-hmm. uh, uses ROK to talk about the Iraq-U.S. alliance mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. forth. Uh, but there is sort of a less feeling of closeness, mm-hmm. I guess, when you're using the official term and uh, using uh, like South Korea, for instance. Mm-hmm. The official name is the Republic of Korea, but there is this lack of... It's like kind of calling, like you have a friend named Billy, right? Mm-hmm. And you call him, you start going, William. <laughs> that means you've done something wrong, right? They, they, you're, using, you're being a little formal uh, with this stuff. Maybe mm-hmm. that, but I don't know about the whole mockery mm-hmm. uh, issues with all of this. But although we have to agree that there has been some exchange of harsh words, uh, even President Yoon Suk-yeol coming out in regards to maybe potential provocations coming from North Korea, called on the soldiers uh, to retaliate first and report later, uh, which probably is one of the strongest comments that coming out from a South Korean mm-hmm. leader in the recent years here. And so there's certainly a lot of tensions going into this new year. Also, with the rising tensions on the Korean Peninsula, North Korea has been making these alarming announcements. Uh, the South Korean government strongly condemning North Korea for expressing outwardly these hostile positions including continued nuclear and missile advancements and a fundamental shift uh, in the north-south border. Let's uh, get more on this, Minji. Sure. So in a statement released on December 31st, the South Korean Foreign Ministry expressed deep concern over North Korea's plans to upgrade its nuclear and missile capabilities. The government labeled North Korea's military buildup as a misguided choice, especially considering the reported challenges within its civilian life and economy. The statement highlighted that North Korea's pursuit of nuclear and missile development would weaken its own security undermine the U.S. rock alliance and further devastate its own economy. And despite North Korea's justifications, the international community perceives these actions as threats to peace and stability on the Korean Peninsula and worldwide. The South Korean government pledged to cut off North Korea's 
illicit source of funds through the U.S. Rock Alliance, trilateral security cooperation, and collaboration with the international community, responding decisively to any provocations that the government urged North Korea to cease its nuclear and missile development and opt for denuclearization and human rights improvement. So a unification ministry official emphasized the government's commission to deterring North Korea's threats through the strong U.S.-ROC alliance. And the official stated that the cooperation with the international community would be strengthened to halt North Korea's nuclear and missile development, human rights abuses, and encourage a past path towards denuclearization and improved living conditions. Now, in the conclusions of the North Korea's Worker Party's plenary meeting, Kim Jong-un characterized the relationship between the two Koreas as that of two hostile and belligerent states. The North Korean leader announced a fundamental reorientation of its course, emphasizing the continued groundwork for expanding its nuclear weapons program in the coming year. Also, North Korean leader Kim Jong-un having met with his uh, military commanders ahead of the new year and ordered full military readiness. Uh, Hannah, let's get more details on that. Sure. Now, the Korean Central News Agency reported today, January 1st, that Kim met with key commanders at the headquarters of the party's Central Committee to praise and encourage them for their contributions in 2023. Kim said, referring to the security environment, that this situation indicates how urgent it is is to sharpen the sword to safeguard the peace and stability of our country and to perfect the army's light military readiness. He also said the responsibility of military commanders is enormous, adding that it is a fact of life that armed conflict can break out at any time due to reckless provocations by the enemy. Kim also said that the more steadily our revolution advances, the more heinous will be the terminal efforts of the U.S. and the Korean people to stop it, demanding that our armed forces must must have a firm sense of confrontation and an uncompromising view of the main enemy and relentlessly crush any form of provocations by the enemy. Kim also emphasized that if they choose to engage in military confrontation and raise their ugly heads, we must, without a moment's hesitation, use all the means and potential of our superpower to deliver a devastating blow and annihilate them once and for all. Kim also organized a dinner for members of the party's central leadership body on the same day in his capacity as general secretary of the Workers' Party. In his congratulatory speech, he said that I don't know if if there has ever been a year when all the heart, soul, and hard work we've put in has paid off in such a heartwarming way, and when we've come so close to making a difference that everyone can feel. We've filled 2023 with profound events that mark a new transformative phase in our march forward. More work lies ahead of us, he said, encouraging the members to deeply reflect and regret our inability to always meet the people's expectations, always be self-aware and mindful, continue to struggle and strive and make 2024 a year of further efforts for our great nation and people. On the same day, Kim watched the New Year celebration in person with his wife and daughter. I mean, it's true that. North Korea in 2023, there was a a great deal of, I guess, progress, right? Mm -hmm. Militarily, uh, you saw the the successful launch of their military reconnaissance satellite. Uh, You saw them fully develop their Hwasong-18 intercontinental ballistic missile, it's true. Mm -hmm. But 
What about economically? What what about the people, right? So it seems like it's military first right now, and uh, people. I don't even know where people ranks right now for、mm-hmm. for this for North Korea, which, again, so unfortunate. But、uh, moving on here, South Korea with the new year begins the 2024-2025 term. As a new permanent, non-permanent member of the UN Security Council, and this, of course, is a role that holds significant implications for global peace and security. Although others will argue that the 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 role of the UN Security Council has been quite bleak over the past several years now. But、uh, Minji, let's get more on this. Sure. So South Korea assumed its non-permanent seat on the United <clears throat> Nations Security Council on January first this very day, marking its third time serving in this capacity. So this position grants South Korea an influential role in addressing critical international issues ranging from North Korea's nuclear nuclear threats to global conflicts and non-traditional security challenges. The UNSC consists of five permanent members: the U.S., China. Russia, the UK, and France, and ten non-permanent members serving two-year terms. Now, as a member, South Korea gains the right to speak, vote, and submit resolutions at Security Council meetings. Importantly, South Korea's direct interest in the Korean Peninsula will now translate into a more influential voice within the Security Council. So, it can actively participate in various meetings, contribute to drafting resolutions, and express its views. On substantive outcomes. Now, South Korea's new role is expected to foster trilateral co- coordination with the United States and Japan, aligning positions on messages of pressure concerning North Korea. So, this strategic collaboration could shape discussions and resolutions on critical issues like North Korea's nuclear ambitions. Going beyond the pen- Korean Peninsula, South Korea aims to take a leading role in global conflicts, adhering to its dem- diplomatic strategy. Of becoming a global pivotal state, one of the immediate challenges is navigating the ongoing Israeli-Palestinian issue, where South Korea plans to emphasize humanitarian concerns and compliance with international law. The Ministry of Foreign Affairs stated, "We will continue to play a responsible role in helping the Security Council respond effectively to critical issues that threaten international peace and security." Such as the North Korean issue, the Ukraine crisis, and the Israeli-Palestinian issue, South Korea's priorities for its UNSC campaign include contributions to peace- peacekeeping, women and peace and security, cybersecurity, and combating climate change. With the UNSC playing a crucial role in recent complex crises, the influence of non-permanent members like South Korea is becoming increasingly vital in promoting. Unity among the permanent members, as divisions among permanent members persist, non-permanent members find themselves with more space to operate diplomatically. South Korea's role in the UNSC promises to be a key player in navigating the global challenges ahead. That's right.、Uh, again, like. Uh, Minji said the permanent members are certainly not on par right now, especially、mm-hmm. with China and Russia continuing to be, use their、uh, veto powers. But also, when we saw with the the Israel Hamas armed conflict that's going on, especially with the call for humanitarian、mm-hmm. ceasefire,、uh, mm-hmm. on the flip side, the U.S. has been using their、uh, veto power、mm-hmm. because of their sort of、uh, military alliance uh, with uh, Israel. But uh, 
it's going to be, again, we're hoping for big things uh, moving forward mm-hmm. in the 2024 year. Uh, speaking of hoping for big things in the new year, let's talk about economy. According to the industry ministry on Monday, you had South Korea's exports decreasing 7.4% on year in 2023 uh, amid the sluggish performance of chips. This coupled with the global economic uncertainties we've talked about. Uh, Hannah, fill us in on the latest figures here. Sure. Now, outbound shipments stood at 632.6 billion U.S. dollars last year, according to data compiled by the Ministry of Trade, Industry and Energy. Imports decreased 12.1% on year to $642.7 billion in 2023, resulting in a trade deficit of $9.97 billion. The industry ministry attributed the sluggish exports in 2023 to the global monetary tightening moves, coupled with the delayed recovery of the Chinese economy. Nevertheless, it noted that exports of automobiles remained solid throughout 2023, with outbound shipments of semiconductors also recovering gradually. And for December, monthly exports advanced 5.1% on year to $57.6 billion, rising for the third consecutive month. Exports, a key economic growth engine for South Korea, rebounded in October after 13 months of an on-year decline. Imports moved down 10.8% on-year last month to $53.1 billion, resulting in a trade surplus of $4.48 billion. And by sector, chips exports increased 21.8% on-year in December, rising for two consecutive months in yet another sign of a rebound. And outbound shipments of automobiles also gained 17.9%, maintaining the growth for 18 consecutive months. Other gainers included machinery, home appliances, and display products. And by destination, the United States emerged as the top export destination for South Korean goods for the first time since June 2003, with outbound shipments above $11 billion. Export to China, on the other hand, fell 2.9% on-year to reach $10.9 billion in December. Yeah, and that's been kind of the, the trend that we've been mm. seeing ever since the, uh, the U.S. and China began their trade war is uh, less exchange of goods with China, more Mm. with the U.S., but uh, as you know, South Korea is very export reliant, and so hopefully we're seeing, hopefully we'll see a rebound in trade with China as well, but at least on the, if you look at things on the, you know, glass half full here, at least on the fourth quarter of 2023, uh, things were on a rebound, and hopefully we could kind of uh, continue on that trend in the new year here. Uh, Let's move on to some international news. We have, again, escalating tensions between Russia and Ukraine. We are now uh, nearly approaching the two-year mark uh, since the war and the invasion of Ukraine began. Uh, You're seeing both countries exchanging heavy airstrikes, marking a grim start to the new year. Minji, let's get more on this. Sure. So after a series of massive airstrikes at the end of the year, Russia and Ukraine engaged in fierce fighting on New Year's Day. Ukrainian forces reportedly shelled the center of Donetsk, a city controlled by Russia, just minutes past midnight. It has been confirmed that there has been four casualties and 14 injuries, and it is concerning that shelling could resume at any time. The five-star Donbas Palace Hotel in Donetsk also hit by shelling 
falling on the same day, and simultaneously, Russia launched a drone strike near the southern Ukrainian port Odessa, resulting in at least one casualty. Ukrainian air defense system intercepted the drone, but falling debris caused fires and injuries in the area. Nighttime airstrikes were reported in the southern Ukrainian city of Mykolaiv and the eastern Dnipro, according to the Ukrainian military sources. However, Reuters noted its inability to independently confirm these reports. The conflict also reignited in the eastern Ukrainian city of Kharkiv, where Russian forces conducted drone strikes causing damage to homes, offices, and cafes. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky addressed the nation in a New Year's video highlighting Ukraine's resilience in the face of prolonged conflict with Russia. Zelensky emphasized the nation's strength in overcoming the challenges. He outlined plans to boost domestic weapons production, including the manufacturing of at least one million drones in the coming year. He also expressed gratitude for international support, mentioning the mastery of F-16 fighter jets by Ukrainian pilots. As the conflict persists into its second year, Zelensky urged citizens to make a bold choice in defending their country. The Ukrainian government is actively recruiting more troops and recently lowered the age of military enlistment from 27 to 25. Let's move on here. We have uh, local media, including Times of Israel, reporting on Sunday that the Israeli military has decided to withdraw five brigades of mm. troops from the Gaza Strip uh, because rocket attacks by Hamas have dropped significantly. Hannah, let's get the latest. Sure. Now, according to reports, the Israeli army will withdraw from the Gaza Strip. The Israeli military says it will withdraw five combat brigades taking part in the ground invasion of Gaza so troops can gain strength for future battles. Troops from the three brigades that were trained in Gaza will return home to perform their peacetime duties, while reserves will return to their day-to-day -day job and help Israel's uh, economy recover. However, four divisions will remain in Gaza to continue fighting. The Israeli military's uh, reduction of troops in Gaza follows a significant drop in rocket fire from Hamas as it has taken control of Hamas facilities on the ground through combat. However, the Israeli military has expanded its operations operations in Kanyanis and elsewhere ahead of the transition to Phase 3, which will wrap up the main war and move on to a protracted campaign to eradicate Hamas, the Daily Jerusalem Post reported. And in this regard, Major General Daniel, uh, Daniel Hagari, the IDF's chief spokesperson, explained that the army is making operational adjustments to prepare for a protracted war. Let's move on. Also, there's been significant escalation uh, in other regions near the area there as the U.S. military engages with the Yemeni uh, Houthi rebel vessels. This marks the first direct confrontation between the U.S. forces and Houthi rebels since the involvement in the armed conflict between Israel and Hamas. Uh, let's uh, get more on this, Minji. So the U.S. Central Command received an urgent distress call from the container vessel Mursk Hangzhou reporting an attack by Iran-backed Iran Houthi militants, small speedboats. According to the Central Command, the rebel vessels approached the Singapore-flagged Mursk Hangzhou, threatening and attempting to board it. In self-defense, the Mursk Hangzhou security team responded. And in a swift military response, the U.S. forces scrambled helicopters from the aircraft carrier 
Eisenhower and destroyer Gravely to intercept the Houthi speedboats. The incident follows a series of Houthi attacks on ships in the Red Sea, primarily using missiles and drones, and the U.S. military has been countering these attacks by targeting missile launch sites inside Yemen. The Merck Hangzhou had previously reported a missile strike while traveling through the Red Sea. The Danish shipping company Merck, owner of Merck Hangzhou, has confirmed the attack and announced a suspension of all Red Sea shipping for the next 48 hours as they investigate the incident. So it's worth noting that the Houthi rebels had seized an Israeli-linked cargo ship earlier, accusing it of supporting Hamas, and have since escalated their maritime attacks in the Red Sea. As tensions rise, the United States had organized a multinational task force, including allies such as the United Kingdom, Bahrain, Canada, and Spain to address them repeated threats posed by the Houthi rebels in the Red Sea. Yeah, and so this is the big thing that we're looking at, and how much the armed conflict in the Middle East is going to expand. And this is the thing that's being over, kind of, I guess, it's been overshadowed so far because of the armed conflict in the Gaza Strip. But there is uh, potential for this to really blow up into something major. So we'll cl- keep a close tap on this. Guys, want to thank you very much for coming into our program on this New Year's Day. Happy New Year's once again. Uh, big things for 2024, certainly. And uh, we'll see you guys again. Thank you. Thank you. You can listen to Korea Now with me, SJ Lee, by downloading the Arirang Radio application or tune in online by visiting www.arirangradio.com. So make sure you tune in Mondays through Fridays, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Korea time.